On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me an extorted foreign dignitary. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two impeachment articles and a cabinet full of lackeys. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and a rally of some good Nazis. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Four offspring turds, three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and a cartridge in a newsie. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Five golden wigs, four offspring turds, three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and a raft of foreign bribery. On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me six thousand lies a year, five golden wigs. Four offspring turds, three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and a trove of band testimony. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me 700,000 docket kits, 6,000 lies a year, five golden wigs. Four offspring turds, three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and an infinite cache of NDAs. On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eight convicted cronies, 700,000 docket kids, 6,000 lies a year, five teen complainants. Four offspring turds, three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and 187 judicial appointments. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me nine hacks on the intel committee, eight convicted cronies, 700,000 docket kids, 6,000 lies a year, five teen complainants. Four offspring turds, three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and a party full of criminals. On the tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a ten for a daughter, nine obstructed witnesses, eight convicted cronies, 700,000 docket kids, 6,000 lies a year, five teen complainants. Four offspring turds, three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and a score of sexual assault victims. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me eleven dictator buddies, a ten for a daughter, nine hacks on the intel committee, eight convicted cronies, seven hundred thousand docket kids, six thousand lies a year, five innocent boys. Four offspring turds, three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and a network all in for me. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me twelve tweets a day, eleven dictator buddies, ten for a daughter, nine obstructed witnesses, eight convicted cronies, seven hundred thousand docket kids, six thousand lies a year, five golden wigs. Four offspring turds, three bought wives, two impeachment articles, and a henchman named Rudy.
Happy War on Christmas, everybody! It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. Happy New Year, everybody out there. I hope you're enjoying your New Year so far. I've been spending my New Year trying to get that opening song right. It's pretty much taken the entirety of the New Year. Well, that and trying to get my internet working and trying to deal with Optimum to get my internet working. As I've noted before, I have Optimum, now part of Spectrum, bringing lousy service to an even wider range of customers. So that's been my New Year's. Optimum, by the way, not a sponsor of this show. I hope you are all looking forward to the promise that a new year brings. Yeah, I guess there's always some of that. Maybe there's a lot of promise potentially for this new year. There's also, in my case, a lot of trepidation. I can't help it. I spend the new year's basically scared of what awaits us this year. This year could end remarkably well. It could end remarkably badly. I think as I'm waiting for the ball to drop, are we going to survive as any country that we've known it to be this next year? God knows if Donald Trump survives the impeachment, which looks pretty much like a sure bet at this point, if Donald Trump somehow manages to get reelected, if the Republicans do well in the 2020 elections, the future for this country is a bleak one, to say the least. I happen to be watching on Netflix... Peaky Blinders. Uh, Good show. I enjoy it. Uh, Also, by the way, not a sponsor. Uh, And this season, just finished watching this season. This season deals, it's taking place in the interwar period between World War I and World War II. And it's dealing with a British fascist. And and the rising or attempted rise of British fascist party and attempts to head that off. And as I watch the fascists speak, as I watch him at his rallies... Of course, it's hard to avoid the comparisons to Trump. I watch this and I think the people who put this show together, writing this about Donald Trump, it is remarkable how much the character is like Donald Trump and how much his fascist supporters are like the fucking morons who support or many of the fucking morons who support Donald Trump. But no, I decided it was a lot scarier than that. I just decided that the problem is that this character was not modeled after President Trump. No, in fact, the bigger problem is that President Trump is modeled after the characters in the show. The characters in the show are modeled after great fascists in history like Hitler and Mussolini. And that's really the scary part. Not that this show is trying to send us a message about Donald Trump, but that Donald Trump is the message himself. That Donald Trump is and his party are fascists and represent a potential rise of fascism in the United States of America. I also understand that coming up on Netflix sometime, I think, no, I think it may be actually be HBO, coming up on something later this year, another couple of months, is the Philip Roth book, The Plot Against America. Uh, a discussion of fascists in America and how different the world could be if the fascists had succeeded in America. Well, maybe it's not an 
alternative history that Philip Roth had written, maybe he was just ahead of his time. And I know this is not what you want to hear going into the new year full of optimism and hope for the future, which, as I said, may yet prove to be true. But this is really some scary stuff, and this is a scary year ahead of us. And God knows that Donald Trump had better lo- and his party had better lose in 2020, and they'd better lose badly. Because right now, as I've argued for, well, as we enter the new year on Forward Nation Radio, technically I guess we are into our fourth year. Not our fourth year of the show, but our fourth calendar year. Having started in 2017, sometime after Donald Trump took office. So we now have reached the four calendar year mark. And you've heard this before, if you're faithful listeners, but we look at this country and wonder if the president and his political party will be confirmed shortly in their belief that he is indeed above the law. The nation's highest law enforcement officer, we are reminded every day right now, as the impeachment proceeds, is a criminal. The Attorney General of the United States is a criminal. A shameless partisan enforcer for our supreme leader. The instruments are of our government, formerly filled, for the most part, with professional civil servants who had some interest in promoting the mission of their organization and the role of government to make people's lives better, have been replaced overwhelmingly by apparatchiks, party hacks, that it could be said are infiltrating our government, only to the extent that they're not actually becoming our government, which right now they are. Will they in the future? Our courts continue to be filled with young, ultra-hard-right ideologues. Many fascist wannabes, I'm sure. As I'm making some of my charitable donations to mark the new year, one of my recipients was Vote Save America. Was uh, Fair Fight 2020 through Vote Save America, the, the podcast from Pod Save America. But Fair Fight 2020. Think about the fact that in 2020 in the United States of America, there has to be an organization trying to ensure that people who are entitled to vote in this country are actually able to vote because the governing political party, the political party of the Senate, the presidency and our courts is determined to stop people in this country from voting. Am I being overwrought and making the comparisons to fascism? No, as I keep reminding myself and my viewers, we are being underwrought if we are not constantly making these comparisons. The best way to ensure never again, the only way to ensure never again, is to make damn sure it doesn't happen again. It's happening again. Above the law, political party, a president that believes in nothing, will be attempting to win it all this year and may very well succeed. Speaking of a president above the law, Donald Trump is not unique. As was the case after World War I, fascism is rising around the world, sometimes in the unlikeliest places. 
I don't know that he can quite be described as a fascist. But our dear leader of Israel, Prime Minister Netanyahu, made the Trump argument this week in Israel that he is above the law, that his indictments should not be able to be brought against him. He is, in fact, above the law. Benjamin Netanyahu, Trump's evil twin. Uh, And by evil twin, I want to be clear, usually when you say evil twin, you mean the bad one. No, in this case, when I say evil twin, what I really mean is twin. When the United States and Israel are two countries that are setting this kind of an example for the world, it better not be God who helps us in 2020. It better be we who help ourselves. Speaking of evil shits, there's more to talk about in evil shits this week. Remember Navy SEAL Special Operative Chief Edward Gallagher? The guy who committed murder was found to have committed murder and became a hero of Donald Trump. Yeah, that guy. The guy Trump pardoned and is in a fight right now with our own Navy over. Navy wanting to discipline him. Donald Trump wanting to make him a hero. Well, in the past week or so, his fellow SEALs, turns out the testimony that they had given breaking their long-held code of silence of the navy seals to speak out against this man and finally we've heard what they had to say as they broke their code of silence to talk about this evil being describing him as quote freaking evil toxic And, quote, you could tell he was perfectly okay with killing anybody that was moving. A sociopath. Maybe a psychopath. A murderer. A man who is undermining the United States, the United States military, to such an extent that the United States military broke their own code of silence in order to call this guy out. The President of the United States calls him a hero. A man who... When he murdered a wounded captive, his fellow SEAL described as the most disgraceful thing I've ever seen in my life. He's a hero of the President of the United States, who brings him to his rallies and calls him one of our great fighters. Well, more news about Chief Edward Gallagher came out this week. He has left the SEALs to become, wait for it, a conservative activist who could have seen that coming maybe next time at queen's college when some fucking morons put up a sign about liberal college professors it'll be an organization at which chief edward gallagher is an integral part since we're down to one coke brother so to speak somebody needs to take his place yes murderous chief edward gallagher hero to donald trump a gig on fox news cannot be long in coming. Such is the way America works. But let's speak some more. There's there's been a lot more news about worthless trash in the news this week. Let's start with Dennis Muhlenberg. Remember Dennis Muhlenberg? CEO of Boeing. Mass murderer. Man who killed more than 300 people. Was forced out at Boeing. Well, it turns out part of the reason he was forced out at Boeing was because we learned just how much of a mass murderer he actually was. Not only was he a mass murderer of 300-something people, 
he really wanted to kill more. We learned in the last week or two how strong his role was in pushing to try to get the Boeing MAX planes back in the air when they were still not safe. Gosh, we could kill so many more people for money. Yes, Dennis Muhlenberg was finally forced out at Boeing. Oh, poor Dennis. Turns out, once again, crime doesn't pay in America. Finally, a feel-good story. Well, you know, maybe mass murder doesn't pay. The rest of the crimes he committed in his rise to the top of Boeing, of course, he was rewarded for. Well, rewarded for? I don't know if that's the right word. According to Barron's, Mr. Muhlenberg, mass murderer, while he was committing mass murder, between the years 2015 and 2018, earned about $70 million. $70 million. When he left, he earned an additional 40 to $50 million, as estimated by Barron's, to walk away. 40 to $50 million, because, gosh, if you have to give up your day job as a mass murderer... It's going to take some real scratch to get you to walk away. That adds up, to my mind, to about $120 million. And in my experience, by the way, whatever these guys announced was what they were compensated was a mere fraction of what they were actually compensated. Once you get down to the money they've hidden away, squirreled, because when you're stealing this much money from a company to commit mass murder, you really don't want to call attention to yourself. So when I say crime doesn't pay, Dennis Muhlenberg teaches us, well, it doesn't pay more than about $120 million, perhaps, over a period of about three or four years. Ah, that's the feel-good story of the new year, I guess. But speaking of criminals who get away with everything because they're wealthy, Carlos Ghosn. Remember Carlos Ghosn? Former CEO of Nissan. The man who was awaiting trial in Japan for multitudes of financial crimes. The man who was confined, I think, to house arrest while he was awaiting his trial. A man whose passport was taken away so that he couldn't flee the country. Has fleed the country. Yes, Carlos Cohen has fled Japan, apparently for Lebanon, where for some reason he appears to be some kind of a hero. It's amazing how criminals get normal people to root for them. Somehow, the rich always manage to land on their feet, no matter what it is that they've done. I.e., Donald Trump and his ilk. Yes, it's true that when they land on their feet, it's usually on top of someone's head. But once again, we are reminded the extent to which the rich simply do not play by the same rules as normal human beings, as the rest of us, have to play by. Oh, the rules the rest of us have to play by? You didn't think you were going to get away without any talk of impeachment. I mean, sure, Congress hasn't been in session since I spoke to you last, but that doesn't mean there's no news. In fact, Congress not being in session, to some extent, gives us a chance to kind of catch up and sort out where we are with respect to impeachment. I don't recall on the last show, if I, I think I did, talk about the fact that the House of Representatives had decided to hold the articles of impeachment from the Senate, to not send it over to the Senate. This is because of the extent to which they know that the Senate 
is going to do whatever, because Moscow Mitch, who heads the Republicans in the Senate and therefore heads the Senate, has come right out and said that he's taken his marching orders from the President of the United States. He's come out and made it clear that all they're going to do is a cover-up. They're going to do some kind of a whatever it is, dog and pony show. I assume they're working this out with Fox News right now to try to make Donald Trump look like a hero in the United States Senate when it comes to impeachment. They will, of course, be trying Democrats and trying the House of Representatives. I, you know, has Hillary Clinton had any role in the impeachment? Gosh, gosh, how great would it be if the Republicans get to go back and try Hillary Clinton again? Because there's nothing that they do better than that than make up shit about her. But the Democrats, of course, have been holding this from the Senate. And when I think about the, the holding it from the Senate, I think of my experience years ago in traffic court. Long-time listeners heard me talk about this a long time ago. But it's, it's worth bringing up again. Many years ago, I got a traffic ticket for going through a broken traffic light. I got it from a police officer who sat at that broken traffic light and filled his quota and then presumably went out and ate donuts and wasted the rest of his day. Because every time the light turned red, the broken traffic light was, there was basically almost no yellow light. So it was green, 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 yellow, red. So every time the light turned red, somebody went through the red light. It was mathematically impossible for that not to happen unless nobody was anywhere near the light when it turned red. And given it was a fairly busy street, I'm sure that was never the case. So after he gave me the ticket, he turned around and went back to the exact same spot waiting at that light to give tickets. Well, I went back, I took videotape of the light, and I had to go to court a couple times while I was waiting for the transportation department in the strange hopes that they were actually going to comply with their legal obligations and provide me with the documents I needed to demonstrate that the light was broken. And I had to go for a couple of postponements while I was waiting for those documents. And every time I sat in court, waiting for my turn to stand up and ask for a postponement because I was still waiting for the documents, I got to see that officer testify to other tickets that he'd given for the exact same infraction at the exact same light and to see him repeatedly perjure himself in court and say that the light was in perfect working order. Well, I had videotape. I ultimately gave up on ever getting the documents from the Department of Transportation. It became clear that they were not going to give it to me. So I said, I'm going to have to make do with what other documents I had and with my videotape. At which point, when I was giving my testimony, the judge would say, would stop me from testifying, say, you have some documents, just give it to me, I will, I will put it in the record. And of course, he'd never read anything in the record, and as soon as it was over, he was going to say, guilty, give us the money, we just need your money. So it became a game where I would stand away from him and read the documents, and he would try to grab them, and I wouldn't let him grab them. And so, yes, it's a long story, but this is what I'm reminded of when I see what's happening in the Senate. This, the feeling of violation, when you are in this position, where a crooked police officer and a crooked judge are stealing your money while destroying the law. I know, in retrospect, compared to impeachment, it's petty ante stuff. Many people who knew me didn't really understand why I was so angry about it. I remember saying, the cop learns to lie in traffic court now. Now when he goes into real court, you don't think he's going to learn to lie? This judge violates the law in his job in traffic court. You think it's not going to affect him in other things? 
Well, turns out it's affected our police force, it's affected our judiciary, and many other things. But this is what I was reminded of as I felt unbelievably violated. This is where we are now as a country, where we are all being violated. Maybe those of us who've had the privilege to spend their lives as white males finally understand what it's like in this country to be a woman or a black person, where violations like this are routine. Anyway, what is the House trying to accomplish by keeping this away from the Senate? Well, what the House is trying to do is somehow round up four Republican votes, four Republican votes in the Senate for a real trial, for something other than a complete cover-up of crimes by the President of the United States. How are they hoping to round up those votes? By convincing four Republican senators what their oath of office is and what the law is? Don't be ridiculous. These are people who are used to sitting on that other side of the desk. They don't give a shit what the law is. They clearly don't give a shit what their constitutional obligation is. No, this is about optics. This is about Democrats trying to somehow manufacture pressure on four Republican senators who might be concerned about their reelection. Because there is no question, or as a reminder of where we stand in these impeachment hearings, there is no question that Donald Trump did it, and there is no question that what he did is impeachment worthy. We've had his own hand pick staff come and testify. We've had documents given out by the administration that show impeachable crimes. We've had his chief of staff come out on TV and cop to impeachable crimes by the president. We've had constitutional law scholars testify in front of Congress that this is the quintessential example of what impeachment should be, what should, what should be an impeachable offense. So there is no question that he did it, and there is no question that he deserves to be thrown out of office for it. So what's going to get four GOP senators to change? Well, maybe putting pressure on them. That's the hope, that they will be worried about somehow getting voted out of office. There is no hope among GOP senators in solidly red states. There is no hope that any of them will take their job seriously. Lindsey Graham, among others, I'm speaking to you. Lindsey Graham has no integrity, has no interest in his constitutional oath. Nothing's going to change his mind. But maybe some in those so-called purple states. We saw a little bit of movement here. Lisa Murkowski, Republican senator from Alaska, announced that she was disturbed by Moscow Mitch's total coordination with the White House. She is disturbed by the fact that the juries, jurors in a criminal trial are coordinating with the defendant. Not necessarily disturbed enough to do anything about it, but who knows? Maybe the Democrats hope they could put some pressure on her to get her to be number one. Then, of course, there's always Susan Collins from Maine. And you can always expect Susan Collins to talk about how conflicted she is. At some point, she might even come out and say that she's disturbed by this. 
But of course, it's Susan Collins from Maine. So she will do what she's told in the end. And she will express her deeply held concerns. And she will be full of shit, as she always is. It is remarkable that the Democrats think that there is some hope here. And yes, again, they're not naive. The hope is that they're going to worry about their jobs because that's all they care about. But here's the problem. The Democrats are trying to make them fear for the general election. But the Republicans have an even stronger card. The Republican can make damn sure that they lose in their primary election. That's before they even get to the general election. So while the Democrats are saying to all these senators, you might get voted out of office for supporting this criminal in a very close election. The Republicans are saying, we will absolutely destroy you and you will get nowhere near re-election. We will run some even further right-wing piece of shit than you. And we will have Fox News and all the right-wing news, so-called news outlets. And we will spend all kinds of money to make sure that you will never, ever get the nomination. Oh, and by the way, the reason you do this job so that you and your family will never have to earn an honest dollar again for the rest of your lives. Well, guess what? There will be no job with cushy Republican donors or Republican-tied organizations for you or anyone in your family. This is what the Democrats are somehow hoping to overcome. Let me just say, I have my doubts. Anyway, congressional Republicans as a group continue to be certainly the most overwhelming group that is absolutely sticking with Trump even as there are rifts in some of his core bases of support. You, of course, have all at this point heard about the famous Christianity Today editorial. Christianity Today, the evangelical newspaper of Reverend Billy Graham. It came out with an editorial, a scandalous editorial a couple of weeks ago that managed to point out how immoral the President of the United States was and the fact that he needed to go. Well, there have been apparently scathing attacks on both the newspaper and the editorial writer since that time. But here's the funny fact that I heard recently, that since that editorial, Christianity Today has three times the number of new subscribers than it has number of people who have canceled their subscriptions. So congressional Republicans will stick with Donald Trump through thick and thin, at least perhaps until this rift in the evangelical community becomes so great that maybe they can't even count on winning their primaries anymore. Anyway, out this week, we've seen all kinds of documents coming out that have shed more light on what the Democrats have known that they haven't been able to tell us. And have shed more light on just how extreme the criminal behavior of the President of the United States and his cronies has been. We found out why Senate Minority Leader Schumer had written his famous letter of a few weeks ago to Senate Majority Leader Moscow Mitch, calling for at least four witnesses to testify in a Senate impeachment trial. At the time, it was kind of interesting because a couple of those names were unknown. Yes, those witnesses, including acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney. We know that. He already copped to the impeachable offense. He already said, of course, it was a quid pro quo on national TV. Former National Security Advisor John Bolton. He was an obvious choice. We knew that. But also Senior Advisor to the Acting White House Chief of Staff 
named Robert Blair, a guy most of us have never heard of, Office of Management and Budget, OMB official Michael Duffy, who again, none of us had ever really heard of. Well, it turns out a host of emails have been turned over and other documents that have indicated why a couple of these people are on this list. The extent to which they knew of this criminal behavior. The extent to which they were expected to be part of this criminal behavior. OMB's Michael Duffy, for instance, had written emails, one of which the government tried desperately to hide, just like they're trying to hide his testimony. Cover up. Obstruction of justice, anybody? But was forced to hand over because of a lawsuit. That email showing explicitly that people throughout our government knew of the criminal behavior, knew the extent of the criminal behavior, and talked about how awful it was, how unprecedented. Indicating some of these documents, it was pointed out that Congress would be unhinged at the withholding of military aid because Congress had voted to appropriate it. We found out from these documents the extent to which there was opposition within the administration and the intent and the extent to which that opposition was more intense than we had previously known. We learned about a meeting at which Secretary of Defense Mark Esper, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, National Security Advisor John Bolton, not exactly the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, by the way, how they went to Trump to try to get him to release the aid to Ukraine that he was withholding. The extent to which they tried to convince him that this aid was necessary for the interests of the United States of America. We found out the extent to which the President of the United States didn't care. Because what was in the interests of the United States of America has never been Donald Trump's concern. This is the guy they are trying to pry four Republican senators away so that we can actually have a real trial. Good luck in 2020, everybody. It's going to be a hell of a ride. Anyway, that's today's show. Thanks for joining us and hope to see you soon. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 